We've been in this teaching series out of 1 Peter, and so if you brought your Bibles, I invite you to open up uh, to 1 Peter to chapter 3. And uh, we're just going to be in a couple of verses today, and uh, uh, we're going to start in verse 13. But before we do that, let's just say a prayer together. Father God, we thank you so much for this time of worship. We thank you for your presence here with us now in this place. Father God, even as we, even as we, as we pray and we, we sit here this morning, begin to do your work on us, of, uh, the, the work of opening us to your reality, the opening, open us to your truth. Father God, speak to us in, in ways that, that uh, it, it says your spirit takes prayers from us to you, but God, it, I think it also speaks to us, speaks to our hearts. And so God, how you can and where you can, through, through the power of your word this, this morning, God, bring about the change that needs to happen in each of our lives. Father God, we love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, I got a text this week from uh, one of our families. Their, uh, their little daughter was saying the prayer right before, uh, right before the mealtime. And at the end of the prayer, she said, and everybody together says, <laughs> a bad influence on that kid. First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. I love these words. Look at them with me. Peter says, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Well, I hate to disagree. What do you guys think about that question? Who would want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Almost as if to imply like, well, everyone who does good, like all these, we, I mean, we have amazing like nonprofits and missions and all these things. And man, these organizations are, are all fully funded and fully staffed, right? All the time, right? Like, like these men and women who pursue goodness, like they always, they never have any trouble or any conflict. They, they always get everything they need, right? Have you ever attempted to do the right thing, to do good, and seen it blow up in your face? Have your, your motives, maybe you, you, you attempted to do something good and right and true and just, and ha- have you ever tried to do that right thing and had your motives questioned? Who would harm you if you are eager to do good? Go ahead and show that next picture. I don't know what Peter is getting at with that question, but I, uh, there's, there is something there. And I think if you look deeper into, into his letter, what you will see is that good doing is incredibly costly. Just ask Jesus. That's uh, a painting by Rembrandt, by the way. Still, he says, if we can get past this question of who will harm you if you're eager to do good, he he talks about being eager. He says, still, still, like, still, so you must be eager to do good. It's, uh, the word is is zealous. Uh, My wife and I, we've been watching this, uh, uh, Netflix series called Friday Night Lights. You guys know Friday Night Lights? Have you seen this series? So it's about football in Texas, and uh, uh, it's like high school football in Texas. And 
uh, there's this character on the show that he's not a part of the team, but he's the owner. He's like this businessman owner, but, but he is the biggest supporter of Dylan Panther football. Like biggest supporter. Like, like far, far more than anything, and, and will go to any limit to support Dylan Panther football. Do you guys know the character I'm talking about? Have you, have you seen the show? He will go to any zealous limit to support the Panthers, even if it means losing his family, committing a crime. He's zealous. It, it means that word. It means to boil over with passion. It, it's, it's, it's deeply committed. Uh, it made me think of uh, uh, Alabama fans. Can't help it. Um, I don't like them. <laughs> uh, there was an, an incredibly zealous uh, Alabama fan that poisoned trees on my school's campus. Like, but that's the, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing or bad thing, but, but that's zeal. That's what, that's, that's what that word means. And in, in the first century, in, in Peter's understanding, like, like there were these people who were religious zealots. And, and what they are is they're, they're fanatical patriots willing to die for the cause of, uh, especially like Judaism. There was a whole like class of people who were zealots. And, and if it meant that they had to assassinate somebody, they would do it. To see their cause advance, they would pay any price. They would sacrifice everything. They would sacrifice rest and their lives and their home. They'd even sacrifice their loved one to see this thing accomplished. And Peter says, that's how I want you to think about your good doing. The most fanatical, boiling over, committed passion is what he calls us to do in, our, in pursuit of goodness. I love this quote from Sir John Seeley. He says, he says, no heart is pure that is not passionate and no virtue safe which is not enthusiastic. It is only when people fall in love with goodness that wrong things lose their fascination and their power. Peter says, look, I want you, I want you to be fanatical about goodness. I want you to be fanatical about doing good. I, I, don't, I don't want you to just like doing good. I want you to love it. Like, and, and there's some real power there. Like, I mean, we can force our kids to do good. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can force them, but it's never really like, you know, it's still kind of forcing them. And, and, he, and he says, instead, I, I don't want you to force people to do good. And, and sometimes the church, we've really failed at that, I think, too much of let's force everyone to do good. No, I, I, think, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he says, let's, let's show people how to love doing good. That's where that boiling over passion will come from. And he jumps ahead in verse 14. I put these two verses together, verse 14 to verse 17. I'll read them, and, but we're only going to spend a moment here. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. 
And then if you fast forward a little bit to verse 17, he kind of comes back to the same idea. He says, remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, but who will harm you for doing good, right? It's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Um, we're going to talk more about this idea of suffering for doing good next week. So, so come back next week. Uh, you're going to suffer. It's going to be awesome. You're going to suffer more than you did this week. Um, but, but sometimes we have the wrong idea about suffering and what that means. And so we, we need to unpack that a little bit more next week, and that's coming. But, but for now, it, it's, it's enough to note, it, it's enough to see, um, maybe it's enough to say that, that God is watching. I had one of our, one of our moms, one of our, one of the kids in our neighborhood this, this past week, uh, uh, I don't know, some of the kids in our neighborhood were playing around, and there was a mom there, and the kids were like, there was like a bee, and they were like, you know, they were teasing it. They were like swatting at it. Swat, you know, like they were swatting at this bee, this kind of thing. And uh, uh, the mom said, don't do that. That's bad karma. And so I'm across the street, but I'm a theologian. I'm here to set things right theologically. And so I yell from across the street, Karma's not real. <laughs> right? Um, so, if you, you know, karma is this idea like, hey, if I do good, I'll get good. And if I do bad, I'll get bad, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, that's a very unbiblical idea. Uh, he, he talks about, and like I said, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. He says, sometimes your good doing is going to produce suffering. What then? All right, so come back next week. We'll, we'll, we'll dig deeper into that. Verse 15. Here's where I want to spend some time for sure. Instead, he says, in, instead of worrying about what they say or, or fearing what other people are going to do, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Literally, what he says is, is to have Christ as the holy center heart, cardia. The, the word is, is cardia of your life. It, it's, it, it's, not, it's not the center, it's, it's cardiac of your life. Uh, you guys know that word, cardiac? So the, it is pretty interesting. I thought like that word cardia is, is used more than 800 times in Scripture. 800 times but never for the organ in our chest. It's never talking about the, the physical muscle that, that pumps blood throughout our body, but it's always used to, as, as to describe the desire producer in us, the center of our decision factory, who we really are, and, and that thing which makes us. It says you must worship Christ at, from, from this, this place the center of your kind of emotional control center. And, and I don't want you to miss this point either, that the center of Peter's letter is Christ. Like you want to live the good life, it, 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 it comes from here. Remember, it's an inside-out kind of life. It's recognizing and remembering and, and holding on to Christ at your center. 
And then he says, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Uh, it made me think of, uh, of Dave Ramsey. Um, you guys see his house from the interstate? It's massive. Um, uh, made me think of Dave Ramsey. Uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, how many of you would like to be able to retire one day? Go ahead, raise your hands. Okay, how many of you would like to be able to retire one day? Okay. Um, how many of you are financially ready for retirement right now? How many of you wish you were more financially ready for retirement right now? Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a big difference between uh, being ready and not being ready. Is that fair to say? Do you maybe know people who are in that place and, and they're ready? They're ready. And maybe you know some people that are in that place that wish they were ready. Um, I don't know if you guys encountered that. So, like, I love Dave Ramsey and his stuff. I think it's great, you know, this, this advice from your grandma. Like, it's perfect. It, like, our world needs more of this kind of common sense kind, kind of advice that, that really speaks to readiness. But I meet people all the time. I meet people all the time. Uh, and, I, and I'm like, and, and they always tell me, like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm doing Dave Ramsey. I'm doing Dave Ramsey. And I'm like, oh, awesome, so you have 500 bucks. And they're like, oh, no, mm-mm. You know the difference between being ready and not ready? There's a world of difference, isn't there? You know, like if, if you're ready for retirement, then you, you know that there's, there are steps that you're going to take far before you ever get to that point, Right? You, you probably even, even know what those steps are and, and are actively taking them. And, and, and it's, it's, it has become this thing, this retirement has become this thing for you that's more than just an agreement that, hey, I think retirement would be great someday, right? But, but there's actual action being taken and there's, there's tangible evidence of that action, and that's a little bit of what Peter is getting at. He's, he says, look, I want you to always be prepared, standing by, ready to meet the, the challenge or the opportunity at hand. And that readiness is, is, is not just like, okay, yeah, just kind of this casual thing. But the readiness is, is because the work of preparedness has been done. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, have you done the work of preparedness to be ready to answer them? And here's what I think. I, th I think it's why it's so important for us to be ready, to have already done the work, because I think the pursuit of goodness especially as a result of living out Christ at, living out of Christ as your sinner will inevitably create opportunities that's what i think i, I know peter says 
if someone asks. But I, I think if you're living out, if Christ is your center and you're zealously pursuing goodness, it, it won't be an if, it will be a when. When they ask about your hope, will you be ready? Maybe you saw this video. It was flying around social media all this week. Um, I, I just want to show you a, a, a clip from it. It's, a, it's deeply theological from the MTV Music Awards. Uh, there's this great theologian named Chris Pratt, who is maybe the, I don't know, maybe the biggest movie star in the world this week. Have, you, have some of you guys seen this? So speaking of readiness and opportunity, just, just take a minute and watch this clip. All right, so lots of interesting advice in there. <laughs> I know there's a, there, there was some unexpected advice in there. The dog thing, by the way, doesn't work on my dog. Just, just saying that. Did you hear what he said? There is a God, and he loves you. Learn to pray. Maybe you're imperfect, but, but a life was given... For yours. Man, I, I don't know, I don't know anything about, you know, Chris Pratt or his life or his family or but but I know a little bit about his faith now, right? I, I feel like I, I feel like he's probably far from perfect like most are Hollywood types, but did you learn something about his center? I love, I love the location of this, right? MTV, surrounded by teenagers and movie stars and idols and all this kind of stuff. And, and what does he come out with? God's real and maybe you should talk to him. You see, like, they gave him, they were, they were awarding him, but he saw it. As an opportunity. And I, 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 think, I think maybe we should look as, as men and women of faith, men and women who have claimed Christ as our sinner, I think we should look for more opportunities. Have you felt that sting that, uh, of maybe a missed opportunity? I feel that all the time, like, oh, man, maybe that was a moment. That, maybe that was my moment. I, I, I think we should feel that sting a little bit more frequently. I think it should motivate us and move us out of there. But I think, that I think, I, I think if you're ever going to take that opportunity to, to speak, then I think you've got to have done that work of preparedness. And, and sometimes at churches, we haven't done a good job of this. Do you, do you know what you believe and why? Are you sharing it? When was the last time you, I mean, maybe you invited somebody to church, but when was the last time that you really said, you know, man, here is why I'm so hopeful in my life. Because our, our world is desperate for hope. Fair? Fair? And you have it. And I have it. But too often we haven't done the work of preparedness to be ready to begin to see people, to see opportunities. 
And, and I'm scared to ask this question. I'm just going to let it hang, hang over us of, of maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, that, that sounds so great. That sounds so awesome. I, I would love the chance to tell somebody about my faith. But, but if you aren't being presented, if you aren't being presented with opportunities, shouldn't that tell us something about our center? Maybe our center isn't what we think it is. I think the challenge is, is, is to know what we believe and, and have it thought out and, and able to state it intelligently and, and able to state it not because, well, you know, here's what our pastor told us about Jesus, like you should really listen to him. No, but because of some firsthand experience, uh, I, I spent some time this week with somebody who had been baptized. It, it's been a while back, but he said, man, in my baptism, I felt so clean. And every day for it, like he said, I know I have a past and I know it's back there and I know the things I did. But since I've been baptized, man, my life has been so different and I just, I feel better. I feel more of who I'm supposed to be. And I thought, oh, who can I plug you into? Tell that story. And Peter says, man, we, we must extend the mental and spiritual effort of thinking out our faith and then being ready to share it. Because I don't think it's an if. If Christ is our center, I think it's a win. Finally, verse 16, and we'll, we'll wrap up our time. He says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. He says, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a, what are those two words? Good life you live because you belong to Christ. I love that he includes this. Like, okay, so you've done the work of preparedness. Now you're looking for opportunities. He says, okay, don't forget to be gentle and respectful. This isn't get the bullhorn and stand on the street corner, right? Get the big angry Christian signs up. You know, like, we're, we're known for goodness. And so it's natural that what would come out of our center would be gentle and respectful. It would be, it would be attractive. The Christians were, were we, we were always supposed to woo people to Christ. I know that's a, that's a great word you use all the time, wooing. But that's our job, right? We're not bullying. We woo people to Jesus. And you know the way to do that. The, the only, like, like I, I'll put this in a couple of different ways, but, like, the only way to do that is, like, is, is through your life witness, I think, I think God is watching your life, and, and I think others are watching your life too. And if your life is silent, then, then no words will ever help. The only compelling argument is the argument of the Christian life. That's what he says. He says, let, let their criticism meet your life that is zealous for goodness. I love the quote, it just says, there's, there's an old quote that, 
that floats around out there. It says, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. Does your life make it easier for people to believe in God? So in just a minute, I'm going to send you to a time of communion. I want these, these words to rest, rest deeply with you. And I'm going to send you with some questions uh, each week we have a time of communion. We think it's uh, essential. You guys can go ahead and come on up. In this communion, like, like we, we share in something with, with God. We share in his sacrifice, his death. We share in, in his forgiveness and his promise of hope and new life. And all of that happens each and every week. We think it's so important. And, and we want you to participate with us. It is a reminder of the kind of life we have uh, been given to give, been given to live. So in just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to send you to communion, but I want to send you with some questions straight out of, out of Peter. The first question is, are you eager to do good? Are you eager to do good? And Matthew and Jesus' great sermon on the mount, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. He says to live rightly, to, to live rightly in relationship to God, but in, a, in relationship to others. He says, put good doing right at the center of this whole kind of kingdom thing that God is doing. So ask yourself, are you, are you, are you eager to do good? The second question is, what's at your center? Are you ready to worship Christ as Lord of your life? Man, I've been talking to some folks. They're, they're kind of getting ready to that place of, of getting baptized. And man, I'm, I'm so excited for them to make that commitment and make Christ the center of their life. And, and maybe you're feeling that call today. Man, I want you to know that we're here for you. We've, we've got everything you need to completely immerse yourself in the love and grace and life of Jesus Christ here, now, this morning. In this place, we can give you, right now in this moment, we can give you a whole new center. Do you believe that? Another question, the third one is, are you ready to share the hope that you have? Are you ready? Have you done the work of preparedness? Are, are you looking for opportunities? And maybe you're feeling, feeling timid. And sometimes I meet, I meet Christians that, that feel incredibly timid. They've been coming to church and been going to Bible studies and, and stuff their whole life and have never shared their faith with anyone. Or when I say, hey, there's this great person. Would you mind maybe sharing with them a little bit? And they say, you know, I, I just don't know what I would say. Have you done the work of preparedness? Because I think when you have opportunities will come. 
Maybe now, even in, the, and, and maybe this would be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you, but in this place of communion that we're about to enter, here's, here's a great homework for you. In communion, share with each other the hope that you have. Use each other to practice on, right? Could you do that? Take this cup and, and take this bread, which represents Christ, his sacrifice for us. Okay, what does that mean to you? How can you share it with each other? And finally, just the last question, and I'll say a prayer and we'll, we'll move on. And, and this, is, this is a really, really important one. It's, are, are you ready to live the good life? Man, I, I turn on the TV and, and I, I, I drive through, through our neighborhoods and I see so many people pursuing the, the kind of life and all the promises that this world offers. Man, if I just had this, if, man, the one thing you need, if you just had this one thing, if you could retire at the age of 40, man, that would, that would be living. But all the promises of this world fall short. The good life comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's what we talked about in our VBS just uh, last week with our kids. It was a simple verse out of John chapter 10. Maybe the favorite thing that Jesus ever said. He said, I have come so that you would have life and have it to the full. That is exactly what we offer in his name today. I hope that you will take it. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for the power of, of what Peter was doing and, and, and how the, his word, it, it sinks so deeply into us today. Father God, we know that... that uh, you are the way and the truth and the life, but, but you don't hold on to it or somehow hoard it or, or keep it. You want it for us and wish it for us. And, and through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, you made a way for us to enter into real life. And so, Father God, maybe some of us, uh, our, our sinners have been off. Maybe our devotion has been to other things and, and we haven't been pursuing goodness in our relationships with others. So Father God, just ask today, even now in this place as we take communion together, that, that every one of us would enter into the kind of life you said was possible through the forgiveness, through the grace, of, through, the, through the sacrifice of your son Jesus. Father God, help us to enter into life and life to the full. Help us to live into the good life. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy time of communion together.